Welcome to Backstage with Becca Beat with special guest Grace Yu. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Backstage with Becca Beat. On this episode, this Los Angeles native has been seen as Florinda in the Hollywood Bowl's production of Into the Woods in 2019, the recent national tour of A Christmas Carol, and she is currently in Town on Broadway, where she is part of the Workers' Chorus and understudies both Eurydice and Two Fates. Please welcome Grace Yu. How have you been doing? Speaking of LA, I know you're from, I know you're from LA, right? Yes, uh, I was born and raised in LA. I just got back from my vacation. So I spent a week there, just went back home, got to see lots of friends, you know, eat lots of food and um, go to a, a wedding of a dear friend of mine. So it was, I just got back Monday and then this is my first week back. <laughs> I feel like it's wedding season. I like keep seeing all these wedding posts on my like Instagram timeline and I'm like, there's so many weddings happening right now. Like, Yes, there are. I feel like a lot of them are also just like, this had to be postponed because of COVID. So true. here we are doing this two years later or one year later, you know, so. Yes, so true. I mean, speaking of which, how did you handle that? a break in theater and performing live on live on stages during during COVID. Gosh, let me try to recall that time. It's like it wasn't so far long ago, but it seems so long ago. Uh, probably didn't handle it well <laughs> in the beginning. I actually had started um, rehearsals for Bernhardt Hamlet um, at the Geffen Playhouse. And um, that's like right by UCLA. And it was gonna be my Geffen debut. And um, I was so excited. We had done the read through and then um, I get a call the next day saying, and I literally thought, I'm like, oh God, am I being replaced? Or (laughs) after the read through where they like, hey, actually we're gonna go a different direction. But literally they called to say the production's been canceled because of COVID. And so um, that was that was so, so sad. But then everything started, I was like, but Broadway wouldn't shut down, right? Like theaters in LA were closing, but I was like, but Broadway is gonna stay open. Ha! Nope. <laughs> yeah. It's a nope. <laughs> nope. So yeah, um, I mean, there was definitely a lot of puzzles involved, a lot mm-hmm. of uh, Great British Bake Off, Master Chef, Hell's Kitchen, (laughs) lots of that kind of binge watching happening. Um, I've baked bread. I've done all the cliche pandemic hobbies, I think, that most people have picked up on. (laughs) The bread thing was everyone started making bread at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was so great because I feel like theater kind of like took a virtual turn during that time. Mm-hmm. And people discovered, hey, like, maybe we can't do theater to the full extent virtually, but we can make things happen virtually, too. So that was yeah. kind of Yeah, I've done, like, a couple of, you know, virtual um, events also over the pandemic, and that was um, so wild, but it worked. <laughs> yeah, 
exactly. So I want to go back to when did you first realize that you wanted to perform and be on stage and sing and dance for a living? Gosh, I was just talking about this today with my physical therapist. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of interesting because I think um, I've always like grown up from a young age performing. Um, that's because, you know, my mom, she um, went to this Korean traditional dance studio out in Koreatown in Los Angeles. And, you know, the kids would come along and that's where I kind of got exposed to performing and um, learning how to dance, obviously Korean traditional dances, but also they would have jazz, hip hop, ballet, tap, like a little bit of everything. Um, so that's, and we would perform in these parades and um, local events and things like that. Um, as far as singing, you know, I just remember like, you know, singing all the time at home, just on the piano, even though I don't know how to play, like um, just with my sister, always singing. And we would go to these karaoke rooms um, with my parents, not it's not like a karaoke bar where you're just singing in front of strangers. You literally like rent, I don't know. Yeah, well, you rent a room and, you know, we just had family friends and I remember just belting, my heart will go on. That was my, that was my 11 o'clock number. Uh, <laughs> just like an, a seven-year-old belting uh, Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On and also grew up singing in church and yeah, but it's kind of ironic because in kindergarten, when my teacher asked me to play Dorothy in Wizard of Oz, I really didn't want to. <laughs> okay. My mother had to bribe me with candy, but uh, I ended up doing it um, for the candy. And it's just funny that it became, you know, like my, my calling now, because at the time as a kid, she was saying, I really didn't want to do it. Um, and then I think it was in high school that I kind of stumbled into theater by accident um, with the encouragement of my besties at the time. They were like, we should take this class. And I was the only one who ended up doing it for all four years. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until like junior year of my college days that I changed my major to theater because I was planning on becoming a teacher. In my whole life <laughs> see it goes to show that like during i mean first of all you're so young when you go to college that it's like i mean we're expected to know like going into college what we want to do for the rest of our lives and stuff but it goes to show like hey you can go and find out what you love in college and find out what you want to do in college yeah, yeah i and it was so funny because i really was sure that this was my path like education becoming an elementary school teacher you know i specifically picked out a public school or public university that offered like a specific program um and yeah i remember feeling a lot of pressure too from just peers and when i was in high school of just like why aren't you applying to any ivy leagues or ucs or these you know expensive schools and I was just like you know what like I know what I want and many of them were going to these 
schools, expensive schools, and they didn't know what they wanted to do. So I'm just like, well, <clears throat> so I always want to encourage um, people who are considering or aren't considering college in their future, like for their higher education, it's like really make it your, your choice. Don't be pressured into, you know, doing what your parents want or what your friends think is, or your peers, you know, it really should be a personal choice because student loan debt is not fun. Nope. Um, so really know what you want. And, you know, if you want the, that experience and you're willing to make that investment, then go for it. But there is nothing like shameful about going to a community college and then transferring or I don't know, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, that's, I'm pretty passionate about that too. Um, yes, I, I mean, I, it took me like seven years to complete college because I went for film and then I went to a community college and then I chose communications with an emphasis in film and television. And I was like, all my friends have already graduated, but like, it's fine. I'm getting, I'm getting the experience I need and I'm learning and I'm getting internships and yeah. I feel like it's good to know it like it's never too late to change paths in college absolutely and I also took like two semesters off of school not like back to back but you know once in sophomore year and once in my you know senior year I guess um so I ended up graduating in five years and I also know that's like uh something that people feel shame about too not all people but I'm just saying you know like if it's not within four years it's like you're a failure or what what took you so long but it's like it's everyone's on their own personal journey yeah yeah you got to pace yourself otherwise there's burnout and stuff and hey and just financially like it might not make sense for some people to uh continue school or they need to separate for you know those reasons so it's like you should never, yeah, we should stop judging people. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I totally agree. So do you remember the first theater show that you ever saw, whether it was professional or a regional show where you were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is the best thing I've ever seen. I've definitely grown up seeing, you know, maybe theater here and there or just, yeah, being, you know, exposed to the arts, but it really actually was uh, Wicked at the Pantages Theater. Yes. That, you know, the cliche defying gravity moment where I was like, I want to do that. That person gets paid to do this. Um, that's kind of cool. And I remember thinking like, oh, that would be really cool to do as a job. Yes. And we all grow up with like the Wizard of Oz and stuff. I mean, speaking of. Yeah, like, full circle. <laughs> full circle kind of, because the, the Dorothy moment. Mm -hmm. But we all grow up with the Wizard of Oz. So it's like, oh, I get to hear the story told in a different way mm -hmm. and see and see Elphaba portrayed as, as like the hero of basically. Yeah, I just remember like, it really felt like I was in a different world and, um, yeah. Do you remember who you saw in the cast? Oh gosh, I don't. Um, because it was my first my first professional theater experience, theater going experience for a musical anyway. Um, and I was a sophomore in high school. So I really don't remember, which sounds terrible, but 
So you were like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> like, I know it changed my life, but I don't know their names. But I'm sure if I look it up, you know, go back in the uh, Rolodex there or search online who it was, but I don't remember um, the names. LA always has good casts, so. Yes, they return a lot to this particular theater too. So yes. many touring companies have come and gone specifically for that show. Not to justify um, the fact that I don't remember, but yeah. No, there's so many and it's been touring for forever, so. Yeah. So. And I don't, I couldn't tell you, like, I don't even know if I knew like what the understudy slips or what understudies even were. So like, I couldn't even tell you if, you know, who I saw was an understudy cast or a full cast. So it literally was my first, like, just kind of ooh, awakening to the whole, like, oh, wow, this is a, this is a thing. So I've looked, I looked at your resume and you've done like Into the Woods at the Hollywood Bowl, which is mm -hmm. insane. I'm sure that was a bucket list growing up, a bucket list item checked off growing up in LA. You did a Christmas Carol recently, and yeah. now you're in Hades Town. When was, speaking of understudying, when was your first experience being introduced to like the world of understudying as an actress? Yeah, you know, I want to say basically in the LA theater scene, at least really before COVID, they didn't have understudies because the runs were so short. Um, or if they did have an understudy or an alternate cast, it was like a very specific um, show or something like that. But I, um, I don't know if we even have un had understudies for the Hollywood Bowl actually, because it was only three three nights of performing. Um, but Christmas Carol actually was the first time I got to experience understudying, um, and it was two roles, uh, and I got to go on for both those roles, um, which, yeah, it was very, very informative. <laughs> um, and currently with Hades Town, I am understudying Eurydice and Two of the Fates. I was going to ask because I know I know that you're understudying the fates, but I didn't know if you understudied two of them, one of them, three, like all of them. I think like the music director tried to see if I could, you know, cover the third one, which that's the one on the accordion with all the low notes. And I was like, well, I don't have them. Um, so I'm understudying the fate um, on the violin and the fate not on the violin and the accordion. <laughs> uh, two gets to play the bells and the i don't even know what those instruments are called wow but i'm a this is growing great i'm a great <laughs> <laughs> i so what did you learn in a christmas carol i know it got cut short because uh, like, yeah, didn't even i went <laughs> and i went and i was because um I saw a lot of regional theater in LA and I knew Alex uh, nee in the oh, show. Okay, cool. So I went and then the night I went, they were like, yeah, so the oh, show is canceled. Show <laughs> when people were already in the audience for like 20 minutes. That one. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was, that was a nightmare. <laughs> um, yeah, that was so unfortunate. Like we... I was personally so excited because more than the Hollywood Bowl being a bucket list, it really was the Amundsen. Um, 
Although I will say, I just, because Hollywood Bowl, I didn't even think was a possibility for me. Um, so when that happened, it was like so incredible. Like, I don't think I will ever experience something like that again, unless I go back to perform at the Hollywood Bowl, but just, and that specific cast that we had with just like people I've, you know, looked up to, um, and getting to share the same stage as them. Like it was a very surreal experience. I mean, but with the Christmas Carol too, like, hello, like Bradley Whitford was our script. Right? Um, and everybody's story from that cast is that I got COVID because I kissed Bradley Whitford. <laughs> That's like the story everybody uses now. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was really sad. We were all very excited, me especially too, because it was like my hometown. We were at the Amundsen. I, you know, saw Spring Awakening there also in high school. Yeah. Um, and one of our castmates in A Christmas Carol, I, um, I saw in that Spring Awakening tour, that cast, that, yeah. Whoa, another like, full circle thing. Yes, another full circle thing. Um, so, but yeah, what was the question again? I'm so like thinking of, you know, everything all at once. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no problem. I'm, and I'm going to go back to Hollywood Bowl briefly yeah. before I get into Hades Town. Right. But the question, the question was like, what did you learn, uh, from a Christmas Carol about understudying that has uh, helped you with Hades Town? Hmm to focus on learning one track at a time to give myself grace yes uh to not strive for perfection focus on progress um and it's so different because a christmas carol with a christmas carol it was a play with music and hades town is different because it's a musical yeah. um so there's like differences between those two as well but and I think my experience was very different with understudying um, Christmas Carol and then Hades Town because with the Christmas Carol, I had a rehearsal process with the whole cast where as I was learning my own ensemble track, I was able to um, literally study them. Like, you know, whenever they're rehearsing, I get to also write down the blocking and hear what's happening in the room with the director and how they're um basically creating right the show or recreating um whereas in Hades Town you're kind of learning it by yourself with your dance captain or you know um so those were also very different but I think the main thing is to just learn take it one track at a time breathe and give yourself grace because it definitely does not get easier, <laughs> um, at least for me, because I also walk with a you know a lot of anxiety, so it's not very ideal for someone who has to um, understudy multiple roles. But <laughs> um, and also if you're a recovering perfectionist like me as well, it's never easy. But um, I don't know. It felt like everything, the timing of everything, how. There was a Christmas Carol, and I actually auditioned for Hades Town while I got COVID from a Christmas Carol in my bedroom. Oh. <laughs> I was doing the dance portion, like 
literally quarantining in my tiny bedroom in LA. And I remember trying to do the chant choreo, but I was like doing it in place. With COVID? <laughs> it was wild. Um, but oh my it, God. all of it felt like just, you know, divine timing, like the universe preparing me. Yeah. You know, God ordaining my steps of just um, preparing me to launch into to new, like literally launch into New York City. Like I moved here in like a week, so. Wow. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it goes to show that like, whether you're expecting things to go like one way or another, like everything kind of happens for a reason yeah. in life. What, like I'm a, for, I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah. So was it magical getting to perform in a Christmas carol during the holiday season? And like- <laughs> So we didn't make it to Christmas. <laughs> I mean, you, uh, yeah, but like still, it's still like, you like November through like right. the beginning of December. Right. Um, it really was. I don't think I got to go on for any of my tracks until we were in LA, actually. I want to say maybe not. Or maybe I did do one of my tracks in a different city, but regardless, it definitely was magical. Like it doesn't snow in LA. So the fake snow really made it magical. <laughs> Um, and gosh, like getting to perform with that cast also was, again, um, I was so, so, so grateful, um, you know, with going on for Belle and Little Fan, especially like, I also remember something I will forever carry with me was just how much the, um, on stage, like cast or, you know, the original Belle or the original little fan, like they made sure to help me like when I needed, uh, the Belle sent like an extensive notes thing. And I remember just like looking through that um, as I was doing the show, it just um, that kind of kindness and looking out for your castmates, like I really um, take with me and I will remember. Um, but yeah, it definitely was magical to just not be, you know, in the audience, like I was in the balcony singing Spring Awakening. And then now I'm on the stage looking out and seeing the audience. Um, that was very magical. <laughs> I mean, and the light, like I didn't, I wish I had gotten to see the show that year, but the lighting, like even, and like the setup on the stage, <laughs> like when I entered, it just like that as a whole just felt magical too. Yeah, and the whatever they did in the Amundsen like was like an additional installment of the hanging like lanterns or lights over the audience. Um, I want to say it was definitely maybe even double what. Um, we did in Spokane or Phoenix or Vegas. Like, wow. it was like a whole installation for specifically the Amundsen run. Um, they, so did, <laughs> they did really good setting that up. <laughs> yeah, I learned how to play handbells and <laughs> set was beautiful because it was so simple. Um, yes. You know, and I remember like, I was also part of the pre-show um playing my little ukulele <laughs> uh, 
um yeah it was a really special production like it it really was and I'm so glad before I get into uh Hollywood Bowl I'm so glad you mentioned give yourself grace because I feel like performers are so like naturally tough on themselves Mm -hmm. I mean a lot of people are their own worst critic right like yes exactly so I feel like that's very that's another thing that's very important to hear so quickly Hollywood Bowl what was the thing that you'll always remember from that experience (laughs) did you get any advice from fellow performers or learn anything from fellow performers who were you starstruck by in the cast everybody like I couldn't it's so funny, the more starstruck I am, like I will not talk to you or acknowledge that you're there because I'm just so nervous to even speak and you don't wanna like bother them or feel like you're just talking to them to like, you know. Um, so I'm just, I'm just like this, um, but golly, like where do I even begin? Um, I will say the whole even audition process of it was wild because I definitely sang a Megan Trainor song for a Sondheim show. Oh, yeah, uh, that's amazing. Actually, that's really cool. <laughs> I knew I was going in for the stepsister, and like in the breakdown, they said something about like, you know, they're very like. I think they even use the word Kardashian. There, I say. Um, so they were just looking for, and I remember singing Me Too by Megan Train. Okay. Um, oh wait, no, was that? Yes, it was. And then I, I think I also sang um, It's a Hard Knock Life from Annie. Yes. But very like dramatic and Florinda-esque in my Florinda way. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. And it, but that time it worked um a specific moment i remember one time this was during our like tech days um during a dinner when somehow i overcame my shyness and we were at the same table like with tina miller i think sierra was there too i'm not sure if i don't think sutton was but it's like these name drops right of like <gasps> Are they my castmate? Like, I can't believe that I actually am here in the room thing. Yeah. Like legends. Um, yeah. I know like if they hear, I mean, they're, I don't know, maybe they will. Hey guys, <laughs> but Shout out. they're all so humble, you know? So it's like, ah, stop, you know, like, um, but I remember asking like Patina Miller specifically, like, what would you say to your 26 year old self or something like that? Ooh because I think I was 26 at the time. So I was like, and I think she said something like, well, that was a year I won the Tonys. <laughs> I was like, okay, great, great. You're doing really great. Um, but I think she also mentioned like her time in London um, when she was out there, I think for Sister Act, maybe she was saying how like, it really was like a lonely time um and to not be afraid of that time to be alone and to like find out who you are and you know I think she even said something like uh, just I don't know if this was before obviously maybe but how she would be like a series regular on a soap opera 
I think, All My Children or something, Days of Our Lives. Maybe All My Children. I'm not sure. One of those soap operas. She was like a recurring series regular and she would still host, be a hostess at a restaurant. Oh my gosh. Double tasking. People would recognize her like, oh, like, are you, are you from that TV show? And she's like, yes. Uh, how many people in your party? You know, like, so that level of hustle she was talking about, like, really, like, I just remember <laughs> tearing up because I was also a hostess uh, at the time, um, you know, at the time that I booked the Hollywood Bowl. Um, and I still went back to my hostessing job after <laughs> we closed because, again, it was like a three just day run, you know. Um, yeah. So just that kind of uh, really inspired me, that um, level of just like focus and humility and like not being ashamed or, you know, whatever you have to do to get to where you want to be, to that like hustle to not, yeah, just really lean into it. And um, I think I'll remember that conversation. I was going to say, speaking of hustle too, you all put on a show at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> like, I don't know, how long is the rehearsal period for musicals at the Hollywood Bowl? It's like two weeks. I want to say we had one more week, but also a lot of the New York cast or the people who were brought from New York, I also believe they started music rehearsals, maybe individually or something like that. Um, because people were off book on day one and I was like, what? <laughs> and, or maybe they did it on their own. And it was something I also learned of like, oh, I guess I should uh, have come more prepared as well. Um, but yeah, it's a very fast process. Um, yeah, I think anything at the bowl, musicals that are done, it's like usually two to three weeks of rehearsal and that's it. <laughs> and it's a giant stage, giant audience and yes. And lots of lyrics for, you oh, know, yeah. all the, all the different characters. Um, I just remember like Sutton, like crocheting, cause that's like, you know, her thing, her, her lifeline and, and just like going over her lyrics and um, just wild, you know? Wild. Yeah. And it's not, it's not an easy show by any means. Uh -uh. Mm. No. So like two weeks of rehearsal is like, uh what yeah <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm certain that they tried to do their get their learn their music before they even started day one because trying to learn it in 10 days is not it's not right. enough time, exactly. <laughs> for, <some> time. <laughs> for everyone but everything comes together so so beautifully in those three shows yeah yeah i mean we had a really I mean, it was crazy to see uh, Into the Woods here with Tina, you know, again, like, I guess the theme is full circles today, but um, just wild, like seeing Patina then and then seeing Patina now as, you know, do the same role. Um, and yeah, that was wild. <laughs> like some full circle moments. So I want to get into Hades Town because I'm obsessed with Hades Town. It's I saw it in previews in 2019, and it's just like genius. Oh, wow. So 
when did you find out that you were going to be in Town after auditioning and what was your reaction? What did you know about Town previously? <laughs> what did I know about Town previously? Um, I knew that there were pretty lamps happening. <laughs> yes. I knew that even Noblezada the rock star was in the show and got nominated, um, you know. And obviously, how can I forget um, Sir Andre de Shields? Yes. That Tony speech um, that is one for the books. Um, that's really what I recall about the music and the show. Um, I think I knew that it was based off like the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. So again, like it was when I had COVID and the shutdown and I got the audition like in December. And I think because of the holidays, I didn't really hear anything until like early January. But it was literally like, um, I had to be in New York in a matter of days for the callback. back. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I made it happen because that was yeah. my trade-off of like, instead of just packing my bags and moving to New York and hustling here till I land something, I was going to stay based in LA. And because this pandemic, you know, it was a lot of brought a lot of horrible things or like uncovered a lot of uh, really, really horrendous things. Um, but it also brought some gifts of like the gift of self tapes and being able yeah. to audition from wherever, whenever. Um, but this one specifically, they had to see in person um, for the final callback. And so I took a risk and I flew out there. Um, and I think I heard back maybe in like, again, a couple of days. And then I had to start rehearsals like in a week. So it was really, really quick. Yes. And I think it was also because I was submitted as like a New York local. Um, so the expectation is that you are in New York and you're available to work like immediately. Um, but it, it was crazy, but it happened. Um, I packed four suitcases and I moved to New York city in a week, just completely uprooted my life. Just adjusting and learning the show at the same time, adjusting from, I yeah. mean, New York and LA are very different. They're both big I, cities. Yeah. So I, I somehow was able to find, well, not somehow it's New York city. I found a sublet, um, a very great sublet situation. However, I did like sleep on an air mattress. I think the first two weeks of my rehearsal until I was like, I need a real mattress. Um, but yeah, like I think when I found out, when I got the call from my agent, like I was in a McDonald's drive-through. <laughs> yes. And my boyfriend was next to me um, and I, we were literally getting McDonald's because I had a McDonald's uh, commercial audition like in a couple of hours. So I canceled the audition. Uh, or actually, I think I still may have done the audition. I don't know. Um, but, and then ate the McDonald's. Um, but I just- Celebration. Yeah, it was, it was so wild. Um, so wild. It felt, it all felt not real for the first couple of months. 
did it hit you that you were gonna make your Broadway debut in this like iconic show that has like that has gotten like so much positive reaction over the years and won Tonys and all that? It hit me on my actual debut day when I was sitting in the chair watching Andre De Shields enter the stage. Yes, and he, he's genius when he enters the stage. Like the way that he, I mean, the way that he played that role was insane. Yes, um, just a master class master, yes. of storytelling, of just how to carry oneself, how to take up space, how to, by taking your time. Yeah. Um, I just saw him in Death of a Salesman on Monday and it was just like, it was so wonderful to see, to see him in this production and He's definitely, spoiler alert, he's definitely wearing a lot more bedazzle. Ooh! Uh, since all his bedazzle and, um, as Hermes, but there's definitely a lot of bedazzle. Ooh! Um, it was a beautiful, beautiful production, a beautiful show. I'm so excited for it to open and for everyone to see it. Like, heartbreaking, but heartbreakingly beautiful. <laughs> hey, at least, at least, you gave warning that it's heart that it is heartbreaking but beautiful <laughs> so like people aren't like oh why didn't i know that it was heartbreaking yeah if they could see it yeah uh not to like go back to something but i think also another moment where it hit me of like oh this is happening was when i was doing um like a rehearsal uh, like a not a put it wasn't a put in rehearsal but it was just a regular work through rehearsal where um, like some of our principals were called in so I just remember like oh my god like Eva is right there and I remember seeing her in Saigon and again from the audience like another <laughs> yeah like in the sixth row of the orchestra uh, and being just blown away completely by her performance. And then now she's like literally six feet apart from me and we're on the same stage. Like, just gave me chills. <laughs> I mean, what a mo like so many full circle moments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Amazing. So what was the hardest choreography to learn? The choreography in Town is like insane. And like, so it's so genius. I feel like the stage, everything about the staging is just like, they make the most of this of like not much staging, but it's also such a beautiful set at the same time. Like it's not an over the top set. It's just yeah. kind of there. I think, yeah, maybe it's not over the top, but it's definitely complicated. And it, yes, the turntables. I mean, we have three turntables. They are going in different directions. Um, <laughs> and we have an eight foot hole also. Um, so, you know, there's definitely um, lots of stairs, lots of stairs also backstage, cardio. Onstage, offstage, cardio. Uh, I'm also in the top floor of the our building for dressing rooms. So really, and Eurydice are also up there so we all really feel it <laughs> we are getting our steps in people um yeah it is um I mean it's a beautiful set it's a beautiful 
uh, the movement is also so specific. Like, I don't feel like I'm doing Newsies or like an American in Paris, um, but it's so specific and it's so, everything is um, to move the story along and to yeah. keep creating the world, especially like the contrast of what it is above ground and underground, like, chef's kiss um definitely not easy to deal <laughs> i mean you have to do choreography on turntables so like speaking of physical trainer um or my pt uh <laughs> we are trying to take care of some things um so that the body doesn't break down <laughs> yes um yeah definitely the turntables have been very informative of like the first time you're on it, everybody's like, oh my goodness, you know, like earthquake, <laughs> uh, earthquake or vertigo or like, whoa. Because, um, yeah, it's a lot faster than it seems when you're riding it for the first time or just when you're on it. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, this thing is this thing is going. Um, but yeah, it's once you obviously get the, the hang of it. Like I, I remember when I was trying to step on the turntable as a fate because that track requires heels. And I was like, oh, this is not going to happen. But it happened. I definitely did fall on stage during a show once when I went on as a fate, but it's okay. It happens. Again, we're not going for perfection here. <laughs> we're striving for progress. And um, oh gosh, I'll never forget that moment though. <laughs> hey, I would completely face plant on that, on the turntable in the middle of the stage and just be like, Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I feel like everyone has tripped or fallen at some point. I mean, it happens when there's three moving turntables going in like different directions on the stage and you're doing choreography, singing, and also in heels for the face. It's not a lot of real estate, you know, and we are a small cast too, but like, um, yeah, it's, you have to be very, everything has to be very specific for it to work, which makes it beautiful, but also again, like complicated. Yeah. So I have to talk about you understudy Eurydice in the show. So what was your, the process learning Eurydice and how did you go about bringing yourself to the character? And can you tease how your Eurydice is unique and how you make it, how you make it your own? Um, funnily enough, I'm still figuring it out. And I think that's what makes understudying difficult for me is um, you don't get much rehearsal. Um, and also my experience was unique because I was learning the Eurydice track and then I sprained my ankle in the show and I was out for like a month. Oh my gosh. So I had made my Broadway debut. I was on for like a month and learning, you know, my next track, which was, or my first understudy track, which was Eurydice. And then I sprained my ankle and I was out for a month. And I think the week I came back from my injury, like that Friday was my Eurydice pudding. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if I'm being really honest, like, you know, I'm also someone who not only is super hard on themselves and, you know, struggles to give 
show themselves grace, even though my name is Grace. Um, but yeah, and, and just wanting to do things perfectly. Like, I also think, um, you know, the fighting the imposter syndrome, which I'm sure a lot of actors like talk about constantly, um, or it's just a very human thing to do of, we compare ourselves, we judge ourselves against like other people. And um, yeah, so I think for me, um, I don't know, just this being my first Broadway show. And then I was understudying a leading lady role. Like it was, it felt like a lot. Like it felt like I just moved here from Los Angeles. I don't even, I'm not even acquainted with the city. You know, like I really felt, I really struggled to, um, root myself or feel settled like um because again like not only was I learning a new show I was just learning how to like live in New York City <laughs> and I arrived in the best season well, uh the winter season <laughs> yay you're so like fun. I don't have a uh, like New York coat because I lived in LA <laughs> Yeah, I, we had like a clothing swap recently and um, I saw a pair of like these boots and I was like, oh, those, those will be perfect for the snow. And people were just like, those aren't snowshoes, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. I um, mean. <laughs> yeah, they were more like rain boots, but they were like, oh, they will not, they will not survive the snow. So I was like, cool, 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 cool. Um, but anyway, yeah. And also just, again, like, I really look up to Eva too and just she's so consistent and really gives 110% like every time um, and I think like me comparing myself to that level of performance like is not fair to anybody um, you know because she's been doing this for a very long time. Like, even though she's younger than me, like she's been doing this for a very long time. Um, not just Hades Town, but just understanding the eight show grind and oh, yeah. schedule and um, yeah. So I can't compare my, where I am with where she's at. Um, and again, this is the being patient with yourself, showing yourself grace, showing yourself self-compassion. Um, but yeah, it, I did, I mean, I'm still learning like who my, maybe that's like bad to say, I hope my assistant director isn't watching this, but. <laughs> I think it's a process. I think that's really cool yeah. to say actually, because it's a, it's a process of understanding the character and understanding like how you relate to the character. Yeah, you're not getting, you're not given the five weeks of rehearsal yeah be able to play and explore like I think I maybe had two to three music rehearsals and then five like just learning the blocking staging rehearsals and it was my put in you know so I mean I don't know if this is like wrong to say but for me sometimes anytime I go on and it's only been like maybe all of 10 times I think I haven't even gone on maybe just barely hit five times for going on as a fate, um, either one or two. Um, but it really feels like being an understudy sometimes feels like anytime you go on as your track, understudy track, 
feels like everybody's witnessing your rehearsal <laughs> or like it feels like a rehearsal or like a, a dress rehearsal, but uh, there's like a full paid paying audience to see you. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's like the best explanation for what it feels like, but yeah, it's like people are witnessing you discover and work it out, which I don't think it's just for understudies, you know, like I would say probably. Hmm? It's for leads too, probably like. Yeah, for, for leads, like just even, you know, if you saw the previews, like seeing Hades Town now, you're gonna yeah, see, really you know, completely different, like, um, yeah, completely different. Um, there, because there's continual growth, like no matter if you're an understudy or on stage every night, like the beautiful thing about theater is actually you are exploring, um, you know, every night and trying to find new things, um, things you haven't really like clocked before for whatever reason or certain things mean differently now than it did then. You know, I'm sure like the cast experience that like from pre-COVID to post-COVID of just, you know, I'm sure they feel completely different, you know, maybe not completely, but there's like a difference. Some, something definitely shifted and we're all still kind For of, sure. yeah, it's like as you keep marinating oh, wow. more and more, you know, the flavors change. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a full speed ride kind of right now, but like it kind of took a little dip and then it's like, okay, we're back. Yeah, I guess with for understanding for me is like the only thing that makes it bumpy is the self-doubt, you know, as opposed to really fully trusting yourself and just going for it. And, um, but yeah, what makes it fearful? What makes the experience scary or fearful is like the lack of trust in your abilities of like, I know this, you know, I don't have to do this perfectly because, you know, sometimes it will be like a month and a half will go by before I'm on for Eurydice. Like it was an amazing, incredibly, like one of the hardest working people I know, like she also does not call out. Yeah. Like, so it's, you know, anytime I go on, it's because she has like a, a conflict or something like that or a concert. Um, she is one of the hardest working <laughs> actors I know. Um, but which is amazing, but yeah, like it's, I think I haven't gone on for one of the fates, like the day I fell in front of uh, 900 people. I don't, I don't think I've been on for that track in over like a month, again, a month and a half or since my, since yeah, a month and a half. So, you know, it's so spread out few and far in between, or it's like super last minute. So Again, if you struggle with anxiety, it's um, not the best. It's not ideal, but I'm really learning a lot about just letting go of control. I mean, and people come, like theater fans especially, they come and see the show multiple times to see like the show played out differently and to see different cast members on stage, yeah. to see how it works with different cast members on stage. And I think that's also beautiful about live theater is that no performer is exactly the same in the role that they're playing. Yeah, I will say the Hadestown fans specifically, like they love seeing um, our understudies go on, which is so amazing. Like, I feel like the, 
I don't know, the incorrect response, right? Of just like, oh man, it's, it's the understudy today, or it's not the actual like whatever performer. I feel like that's like the opposite. Like for Town fans, they like seek out, oh, it's so-and-so going on for this track today. Like we must go. Like it's it's awesome. That, that level of support and yeah, because everybody is amazing. <laughs> and I think that, I think I've noticed it like more and more with social media that mm-hmm. people like go to seek out when understudies are on to see the show and to see their yeah. char- their favorite characters played by different people, which is which is beautiful. Yes, yes. How do you think you're like Eurydice and how do you think you're different from her? She's a very three-dimensional character. Ah, how do I think I'm like her? Hmm. <laughs> I think the part where it's like seeing how the world was <laughs> is um, very similar to me uh, because I too catastrophize and you know I think Eurydice is someone who understands the foreboding joy <laughs> struggle of like yeah you know whatever like it can't be it's like too good to be true <laughs> something must happen next or just um yeah I feel like that's where you know we are alike um in terms of we're so vulnerable but we have this like shell that was created to protect ourselves. um how are we different I'm not sure I mean, maybe those are the parts I'm discovering. Um, but in the beginning, I like literally could not see myself as Eurydice. Like, even as I was hired to <laughs> to play this track. As so one. you're like, gotta learn how I'm like her. And like, that's part of the research in playing and preparing for the show. I, yeah, just like finding my voice, like where this, sits in my voice and where it sits just with me emotionally, um, what flowers means to me. Um, yeah, I just feel like I'm just, I just need to marinate more. And I mean, how do you, cause eight times a week you're performing this show and it's very emotionally heavy. How do you keep up with stamina and like, how do you emotionally go about it? Hmm. You know, yeah, I will say it's not like a da, 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 like happy, no, no, no. lucky. Um, but thank goodness for me, uh, because I'm a very emotional person. I want to say being able to like emotionally release um, is helpful for me personally as Grace, the human being, not like the actor you know, the worker, underground worker, whatever. Um, yeah, like I, I guess I am more used to growing up with like more melancholy <laughs> and um, so the, the cries are good. <laughs> hey, you that happen are good. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's harder to smile through the pain, but like, you know, especially like when we're underground and like 
you see us rise out and we're doing that six minute number yes. <laughs> with our backs bent over, uh, we don't have to smile through it. We can really show that we are, this is really freaking hard and everything hurts. Like there's no, sometimes there's no acting required to show the struggle. Hard number. It's uh, one of my favorites, but it's hard number. A very, very hard number. Again, like not for the technicality or, you know, the, we're not doing like gymnastics or, you know, tumbling, um, but yeah, it's just a very specific shape, shape we are creating. So yeah, and then just with any show too, I guess, just like the overuse, right? Like, um, so it just comes with really having to focus on maintaining, like doing the self, uh, self-care and self-check-ins and self-maintenance. Um, I'm still, again, trying to find my own grooves and rhythm of what keeps me centered, what keeps me grounded, what keeps me happy. Um, why am I doing this? And, you know, it's, I'm experimenting, but there's definitely yoga, meditation, therapy, um, Epsom salt baths, bubble baths, massages, <laughs> pedicures, food, like, you know, nature, yeah. I guess just, you know, you have to keep filling things that give you life. Um, it's so important. I, yeah, I think I really struggle with trying to find a work-life balance. Um, yeah, I need to keep um, pouring into myself so that I can pour out every night, right? Otherwise, like, we are literally running on fumes and um, it's not worth it. I think it's so important to hear that it's not like an overnight process when uh -huh. like as because like you're on Broadway and I feel like that's a lot of people's like goal like huge goal in life as a performer is to get to the Broadway stage but I feel like it's very important for those up and coming performers to to be to hear hey like it doesn't happen overnight like you don't get used to what's happening overnight even if you're on Broadway right now yeah and especially because this is my first show so I don't really have other Broadway contracts or theaters or you know things to compare it to and I'm sure originating a Broadway show is also a very different experience oh. of having that rehearsal process um, and forming those bonds with like those castmates um, because there's like a difference when you kind of are entering as like a cog in the wheel and of all, an already well-oiled machine, like it can be a very isolating and lonely process. Um, and it takes time to like find people you connect with or like, you know, who are I don't know, willing to be emotionally available and form connections with you because everybody, I, that's what I was thinking like, oh, most people in this show or any Broadway shows have been in New York for years. Uh, they have their communities outside of work. They have their yeah. roots planted. Whereas I feel like transplants like me that just kind of <laughs> like got uprooted and then dropped 
um, which again, like is an incredible story. Like it's an incredible journey and I don't like take any of that for granted. Um, but I think I have to be very careful when I speak of my personal experience to say that it is personal, that, you know, it's not a one size fits all thing or like a formula thing, but I think a lot of people, or a lot of times we get scared to talk about the parts that are hard um, because so much of like just getting there is the goal for so many aspiring artists. But like, I'm not gonna lie, some parts of Broadway really felt like, not to go back to Wizard of Oz, but like the unveiling, like meeting the wizard behind the veil. It's like, oh, there are things that are still systematically like not right. Um, I don't think Eva should have to carry the burden of being like the only like Asian female American Mexican American like leading lady on Broadway I feel like there really should be more of us represent like being represented um a hundred percent because I yeah I think a lot of the imposter syndrome specifically for you know actors of color it's like really having there are extra hurdles for us that internally or externally we are having to overcome I think um so yeah I don't know so I, I I'm like also trying to navigate this is maybe like my second interview because I'm also trying to what is what am I what do I want to say like what is my yeah. name I'm this is like me real time trying to figure it out um you know, because I want to say it's amazing and wonderful and there are things and moments that um, feel like huge milestones and quantum leap moments, like being there to witness the magic that is Amber Gray as Persephone and, and Jewel, now our Jewel, Black Moon as Persephone, um, seeing both being breathing and, and living and existing on the same playing field or as Andre the Shields and T Oliver and now Lilius White, like I will never forget that moment at Andre's last show when he started just singing from the Wiz. Oh my God, the theme of this is just Wizard of Oz. But um, everyone loves Wizard of Oz. <laughs> oh, but yes, he sang from the Wiz, and it just like that song of you know just believe in yourself. Like I really feel like I needed. I know he wasn't singing to me, but I really, it really felt like a, I don't know what it's, it's called, but it just like really something hit me powerfully that night of, I have to believe in myself that I can, I can also be Eurydice. I can also be yeah. a leading lady. Like I have to believe in myself. Um, so something definitely shifted that that night, even though I still struggle with, you know, believing myself, honestly. Um, but yeah, just there are moments I can't, you know, exchange like, but there are also really challenging and hard moments of trying to navigate this space and um, finding places where I feel emotionally safe, you know, um, yeah. But anyway. hey. And you should be so proud of yourself. 
I just dribbled water. I hope that was Connor. <laughs> Also, the sun has shifted, so it's definitely, I hope it's not blinding people. But. <laughs> but seriously, you should be so proud of yourself. You, like, moved to an op- the opposite end of the country and re, like, restarted, like, yeah, like I mean, started a whole journey. I was literally working at a Ross one year ago. Ross dressed for less. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and look, look now, like. So much has happened. So much has happened. So I don't know, like whoever's listening to this, it's just like you just keep going, you know, like I never in a million years would have thought this would be my fate. Like one year later here, here I am because I was definitely in the break room at a Ross dress for less being very sad because I was also not very good at my job. (laughs) Turns out uh, OCD is not great for (laughs) <laughs> I mean efficiently at a retail um store I mean especially when a lot of stores are like forever 21 and people just like put up like the clothes that they just tried on and like random places in the stores but it's like the thing is you would find like baby you know pacifiers in like the men's section and you're just like how how dare you I will never shop like that ever again. Oh my God. Things go back. I will hang up every item. <laughs> I like, will not throw it over. Never entering your houses. Yeah, I'm going to be a better customer everywhere I go. Oh. And last question about Hadestown. How would you convince people to come see Hadestown on Broadway if they haven't already? Or on the tour, if the tour is coming to them? Yeah. How would I convince people? Just look at the number of Tonys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's some people that are like, who's Tony? Um, <laughs> how would I convince people? I think it is very hard to find musicals nowadays with original music. Yes. And um, that's not based on a movie. <laughs> <laughs> real. Um, I don't know. It's um, it's really about the story. There's no other way. I think um, it's definitely not like a happy story, but the importance, right, of like the but we sing it anyway part is yeah. why we all go to the theater or watch things, you know, on on our TV screens, on our, you know, phones or laptops, like why we need storytelling, why we need the arts. Um, you know, like no one is watching um, Euphoria <laughs> to find happiness and lightheartedness, but it's like, there's something about like just um, seeing something that makes us feel, uh, that makes us feel alive. Like, and I will say, you know, whether you see Hades Town um, on the tour on Broadway or just like theater in general as a medium, right? It's like you will not ever get that from watching it on a screen. Yeah, because you have the connection. You have everything right in front of you. There is just that tangible 
energy. I mean, I guess the closest thing might be in the movie theaters, which also a lot of people are not going to the movies a lot anymore. They're like, we're just gonna wait to stream it on Disney Plus. Um, a lot of straight to Netflix and straight to Disney Plus too right now. Yeah, but it's that even last night I was just feeling there was, we had a great audience and like, when I say great, it's not necessarily that they like cheer louder, although that helps sometimes, but it's just like that dialogue, you know, where we're breathing together, where you, you just feel this like spark, this energy currency of like, there's just this exchange that I don't think you can really get when you um, binge watch something. Um, although the storytelling and the talent on there of the artists and everybody involved in the projects, right? The crew and editing and everything. But um, yeah, there's just something that you can't, that is only unique to the theater. So I don't know. I wanna say all this to say very long winded answer, but it's kind of like taking a very old Greek tale, but like there's contemporary sound and it's just like a like a collision of those two things that I feel like magical yeah it's very unique I don't know I don't know that there is a, a show like that yeah I don't I that I, I've seen. I don't think there is there is at least right now a show like Hades Town and yeah. I mean when you enter a theater when the show starts you turn off your phone and you there's no distractions of phones for like two and a half hours. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes. Because people forget. Um, but yeah. For the quiet moments. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know exactly which quiet moment we're talking about. I don't oh, want yeah. to spoil that, but uh, you literally hear the breath of the audience. Like, it's, um, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I just I just love when people forget to turn off their phones at the quiet moments and and the qui the quiet moment happens and everyone's just like oh. and then you hear just like this ringtone go off. Yeah. It's like, um it I mean but hey listen like sometimes there will be like fire trucks and things like very reminding us that we're in New York City. Um but again it's we are able to just escape all that and like focus on the story that's being told and yes. literally like a tale as all the time, not to be making all beauty and beast. beast. <laughs> Truly like where theater originated from these like Greek, you know, tragedies yes. and um, things, but yeah, making it so universal and timeless, I think with the music and everything. Yes. And before I get to my last question, I wanna manifest, what is your dream role? Whether it's on Broadway or whether it's on the screen or something. My dream role is gonna get me a Tony Award. <laughs> um, I mean, I say that half jokingly because I don't think anyone who looks like me has won the best actress in a musical category. We're manifesting it though. <laughs> Prince Leia Salonga won it in 1991 when I was born. That's 
really insane actually like whole, we- whole generation of people out there who have grown oh up my goodness being, yeah so and that's why like again eva was put on such a high pedestal because both nominations since i think leia for best actress leading actress anyway because you know we've had um amazing um actors in the supporting categories nominated but i'm talking like leading actress category i think both times it was eva um so you know there's still a glass ceiling and we're trying to break through and see everybody represented i mean there may be a world i hope soon where it's not a gendered category anymore and um you know so we really truly um make everybody included and and feel seen but my dream role is to originate a dream role so i don't know what that is yet so Uh, we're gonna find out one day but it's gonna get but you're gonna win a tony yeah, I don't know if I can pop Andre's speech or um, as of late, the Cheryl, was it? Oh my gosh, what's the name? Cheryl Ralph? Did I say it right? Oh, this is so bad. This is why I stay away from saying names, even though <laughs> we give credit where credit is due. But um, recently her Emmy speech um, for Abbott, her role in Abbott Elementary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So the one where, the one where uh, someone lie down on the stage oh no that was the the creep, the the oh, yeah um and i think i believe that she was for Apple too right I for think. writing for yeah for yeah. Abbott. yeah she was a creator and the lead um on abbott i believe her name is quentin and um no but it was the one where it was like the best 16 bar cut of your life um ah. and it was just um yeah you have to watch it but it's not going to top that speech because those are, again, those go down in the books of like, I think one of the greatest. Like iconic. Yeah, iconic award speeches um, ever done. Um, there are a lot of those at the Emmys this year, actually. But we're talking about the Tonys. Um, but yeah, I, my dream role is to originate a dream role um, and originate a role where um, I don't feel like I have to be a what is it? A circle in a square peg or a square peg in a circle? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't have to worry about fitting the mold. Yes. You can you can be yourself and explore the character mm-hmm. and like create a whole character. Yeah. For people to want to for people to want to play. Yeah. I don't want to have to be um anything to do with my my Asian-ness, <laughs> which is also why I love being Eurydice. It's just like, you know, not to like um, dismiss, um, you know, roles that are like specific to your ethnicity and race, but it's sometimes I feel like um, can be limiting of just, oh, because you look a certain way, you are only eligible to play these roles. Um, the best friend role, the sidekick role. It's like, no, no, no. No, like, I, like I'm going to play this role. I'm going to audition for this role. Yeah, like, yes. Why not? Why can't it be me? Exactly. <laughs> what I say with my friend Anthony, why can't it be me? <laughs> yes, exactly. So my last 
So before I move on to my last question, where can people follow you on social media to keep up with what you're doing? I'm so sorry that I'm now the sun is fully moving. Um, <laughs> but currently I am not active on social media. Um, I have taken a little hiatus. I kind of do that sometimes. I'm weird like that. But when it just gets a little noisy up here, I'm like, let me not be on my phone for 24 hours a day. Um, but I will probably be back on Instagram usually is where you can find me. It's Kimchi on Broadway. That's K-I-M-C-H-I on Broadway. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. And I'll put it in the lower thirds. And I so love that. Like, it's so hard to take social media breaks. So like, good for you. Yeah, sometimes like it's, I think, necessary. I, I agree. And I totally wish that I was good at that, but I'm not good at taking social media breaks. Yeah. I, I highly recommend it because you'll find <laughs> you have all this time to like, oh, I can breathe. I can cook. I can read. And I not can... like scroll through and compare yourself to people on your timeline. No. Yes, exactly. So yeah. lastly, is there anything that you want to promote or talk about or just tell people to come see Hades Town. <laughs> um, let's see, come see Hades Town. Yes. <laughs> so that we can run forever and ever on Broadway. Um, I will promote uh, Homemade Thursdays. Um, it's um, basically what my friends started during the pandemic. My friend Benay and her husband Rashid. Um, who is a chef. Um, he's a private chef now, but during the pandemic, they out of their own kitchen started cooking like 100 meals a week for oh um, people who um, are without homes, who, who are, yeah, unhoused. And they would literally drive to different spots in LA. Um, and it's been happening for like a year now. And that was really one of my favorite things to do. Like every Thursday was go cook because I love cooking. I think if I wasn't an actor, I'd probably be in the restaurant industry, but I would go cook and um, just prepare these meals. And, you know, I know that there are a lot of these organizations around, but like, I think it's very hard to see like made from scratch, good meals not just like it was frozen and then defrosted or it's like processed or packaged like this chef is cooking everything like from scratch and um it's just nice to like have that meal like i don't know food brings me personally a lot of comfort so um to do that in a tangible way um so yeah you can find them at homemade thursdays uh i believe they're um currently not uh, established. Well, they're partnered with a church called First Christian Church um, in Burbank, California. Oh, That's where you can um, give monetarily um, just for like tax benefits and write-offs and stuff, right? But um, yeah, I mean, I, I may, my dream for it is to like have it also be bi-coastal, like. That would be amazing. New York too. Um, yeah, 
because, you know, there's just so many people in New York who are experiencing homelessness and some, you see them every day on the trains and, you know, what would it mean if there was a, a place um, to be? And again, there are probably many like great organizations and shelters like doing this, but I guess that's my next thing of like maybe trying to find a place where I could um, get back that way too, like I did um, there. But it's hard with an eight-show week schedule. <laughs> I mean, you're busy. But I'm so glad you promoted you promoted that. I'm gonna put that in the description for I anyone. And I'm gonna actually look them up and see how I can help out with with uh, what they do. Yeah, just even like word of mouth or spreading spreading that way. Cause you know, right now they're currently in Los Angeles. So like I yeah. it's hard people to like give outside of well I don't know people are amazing sometimes you know just pouring in like from all over the country <laughs> yeah so yeah. so great and I like you're right like you see people like on the streets who are like needing food and that's just it's so important for them to have like a meal that they can enjoy like a once in a while meal even yeah that's yeah. just that's special and like homemade and like it shows people care well thank you so much for joining me to talk about your theater career and (laughs) to just like give a bunch of really good advice and wisdom to up-and-coming performers and to just everyone no matter what industry they're in yeah I mean I hope it was coherent like sometimes I do feel like a lot of you know all over the place like I feel like each question took me like 30 minutes to answer but um (laughs) you're very inspiring and you're very like real I appreciate that I appreciate that (laughs) I I like how you speak from your heart yeah I mean the part the perks of being an INFJ four on the Enneagram a Pisces rising or presenting person, I guess. I don't know. Thanks for watching this episode of Backstage with Becca B. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. Or for more exclusive content from this interview and more, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Backstage with Becca B. Make sure to subscribe to my channel and like this video. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star rating. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you guys next time. Bye!